The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Time Masters, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, August 30th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-host, Professor X. Hello, everyone. And Millie Wood. Hello, everyone. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 6, Episode 14, which was titled, There Will Be Brood, and aired August 29th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. When Astra and Spooner find themselves as stowaways, they learn that Constantine is still chasing the Fountain of Imperium and find themselves in 1920s Texas. With the rest of the legends stranded, they come up with a plan to get help by using Rory as bait that will also help reunite him with something that is special to him. Meanwhile, Spooner learns some information about her past that she wasn't expecting. Neither were many of us, I would say. All right, the penultimate episode of the season. Um, we were left in a precarious situation with uh, Bishop and uh, a fully um, in the on the dark side, Constantine pairing up. Uh, let's start off with that last line of the press release, though. Spooner learning some information about her past. So the storyline of Spooner, Spooner's mother. It's been a like sub subplot of the season. You know, it, it doesn't come up often, but it did come up a lot at the start of the season. So clearly, we were going to get some payoff, whether it would have been this season or next. It just happened to be in this episode. They go, uh, they they all go. The four of them: uh, Bishop, Constantine, Astra, and Spooner. T- uh, go to the 1920s because uh, Bishop and Constantine hijacked the Wave Rider. And in 1920s Texas, Spooner recognizes a woman. She was like, that's my mom. I know that's my mom. That's my mom. It turns out it is her mother. And we get this really great reunion. At a certain point, Spooner even tells her, it's me from the future. And Spooner wants to change the past. And for a moment there... It looks like Spooner's going to change the past. And Astra, even though Astra's like, you can't, because it'll change everything. But uh, when Spooner, you know, pulls the mom card, because Astra also has mommy issues, uh, Astra kind of, uh, you know, allows her. She acquiesces and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But at the end of the day, after everything, you know, after the back and forth about, you know, I'm going to stay and I'm going to defend and this and that and the other, whatever, whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, even though there is a little hiccup, history ends up happening the way it should. Sort of? Kind of? Uh, There's a little bit of a hiccup. We'll talk about the hiccup in a moment, but let's talk about the reunion that we were not expecting, as the press release said. Professor, Spooner meeting her mother. Yeah, it took me totally by surprise. In fact, you know, when it first happened, I was was assuming just 
on the time frame that, well, maybe it's her grandmother, maybe the timing of that would work out. But you know, how could a you know how could it possibly be a mother forgetting, oh yeah, this is show this time travel on the reg. Um I liked it. It was it was nicely played. As you mentioned, the whole Spooner and her mom thing uh, had been a uh, you know played up fairly heavily uh, at the beginning of the season when Spooner was first introduced and just reintroduced, you know, often enough to remind us of that. But, you know, it, it had been long enough that, you know, it's not like we would have forgotten about, uh, you know, uh, the situation with her mom. But it's not something that's been front and center. So it's like, you know, planting the seeds for that way early in the season. Uh, and also, you know, uh, yeah, as we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure, finding out that, you know, the whole alien abduction thing, while technically correct, uh, was done for entirely the opposite reason. So I love the fact that they managed to introduce uh, the mother character. Um, you know, the, the young Esperanza was fantastic. You know, you could really see her as someone who would grow up to be Spooner. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it shouldn't have worked as well as it did. Because as I say, I was looking at it thinking, well, the timing just doesn't work out. But somehow I ended up accepting it just like her mom, who had absolutely no reason to accept the fact that this grown up woman in front of her, uh, would actually be her, her daughter. Uh, she accepted it. And I found I did too. I thought it worked really well. And I will say it was also emotionally satisfying. Like, I found myself, like, really invested in Spooner and her mom. Millie, what about you? Your take on young Spooner, Spooner's mom, our Spooner reuniting. Uh, did it feel so good? It did. And, like, the professor, I'm, like, I was not expecting that because it's, like, We've had theories about, like, it could be, you know, these weird things, and I felt like they were going to kind of make some kind of convoluted way to, to make it fit in the timeline, but I like how it was unexpected, but it fit in the story, and then just to have all those bits, I mean, I think Spooner became one of my favorite legends this season, I really enjoy um, what the actress has been doing, the characters, so for her to get this closure to the storyline and not be dragged out, um, and I love that it kind of she gets the legendsy kind of introduction where she has to make hard decisions. I feel like every legend comes to that point where they have to make some decisions about messing the timeline up and things like that. I thought that was really well done. Um, I like kind of how Ash has a reminder, like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be here when like younger you's here. I'm um, just like small bits like that, but I really just enjoyed watching all three of them and then Astra interact with each other. Speaking of Astra, you have been out of the three of us, the hardest on Astra since day one. This was a Spooner episode, but this was also an Astra episode, because Spooner and Astra were separated from the rest of the legends. They were on this journey uh, because of Constantine and Bishop. Uh, let's be honest, it was really an episode for the four of them. I mean, the, the other legends, I mean, they do get a moment in the spotlight, but it really is a moment compared to everything that goes down in 1920s. Texas. So as I was saying, Astra and Spooner are paired together in this episode. And uh, at the end of it all, when, uh, you know, when push came to shove and uh, Spooner, you know, was making that decision to change the past, we get a really emotional moment from Astra, where basically Astra's like, but, you know, if, if you change the past and this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen, you don't join the Legends, we don't meet, you know, and I lose my friend. And this is a moment that we hadn't really seen before from Astra. So I am wondering, since you've been the toughest on her, you've been the toughest critic of Astra this season, Millie, what did you think of the pair-up, Spooner and Astra together throughout the entire episode? And uh, what did you think of Astra in particular, especially when she was trying to convince Spooner to not go through with the idea of changing the past? I was pleasantly surprised with, like, Asher's storyline this episode. I thought it made a lot of sense because we've, of the most kind of pair-offs this season, I think they've put Spooner and Asher together the most, so it makes sense, like, this, it was a natural progression that it would be them two, and she's the one that has to get through Spooner in terms of, um, you know, appealing to their friendship and things like that. And I actually thought it was really touching because it's we did kind of grow. I enjoy seeing them together as much. I'm still on the edge about Astra. I really do like her pairing with Spooner. So I like how she was the one um, that was able there to like remind her and kind of help her through making the hard decisions. You are vicious. You're still on the edge with Astra. I love it. 
You're a tough one, Millywood. Professor, I know you have been a fan of Astra. What did you think of Astra in this episode? Astra's relationship with Spooner, um, the sort of revelation at the end that she sees Spooner as a, as, as a friend, sort of almost like the, the cracking of that shell that Astra seems to put on herself. Yeah, it was it was a great uh, you know development, and it, it has it's been something that we have talked about that it seems that Astra and Spooner have been paired up quite a bit. And you know, when Spooner first came on, they did the usual Legends thing of you know pairing up the newbie with each different member of the team, uh, so they get the storytelling juice out of that. But over the past few episodes, they they have been pairing uh, Spooner with Astra, and we got the payoff for that in this episode, which is that there really is a friendship developing here. Uh, you know, I, I think Astra is someone who doesn't think of herself as having any friends um certainly not a lot of them and you know for her to to make that realization uh you know shows that that she has developed over the course of this season uh you know remember you know at the beginning of the season astra was still just recently uh escaped from hell and uh and and you know wanted nothing to do with anyone so for her and spooner who was you know equally uh prickly at the beginning of the season to sort of you know uh reach this uh, this friendship with each other it felt very real and, and very touching you know when uh, when spooner said to astra take care of me meaning her younger me and astra said always you know that was a really touching moment and and by the way shout out something uh, we haven't mentioned up until now this episode directed by Maisie richardson sellers you know former cast member of the show who i think did a tremendous job of bringing out the emotional uh stakes of this episode in a way that we don't always get, you know, this is often the funny show. This is often, you know, a very high concept show. This really was, you know, both of the the main plot lines uh, were were very emotional and and you know really hit you in the feels in a way that I think a lot of uh, Legends episodes, even when they're really good, don't. So this was you know an unusual episode for Legends, but I think Maisie Richardson Sellers did a great job directing it. I cosign. Yeah, we hadn't referenced her yet, so that was going to get to that. But uh, yes, props to Maisie Richardson Sellers. Uh, she did a fantastic job this episode, 100%. Uh, okay, so following with the young Spooner storyline, even though um, technically Spooner does change the past, you know, there's this whole storyline about these sort of like oil, this oil baron, we'll call him, that wants Spooner's mother's land because there's allegedly oil on the property. And so um, in the past, originally, uh, because we see the moment in, in a flashback, we see that these oil people end up killing Spooner's mom and, and, and young Spooner ends up running away. And uh, she ends up finding the Fountain of Imperium, which um, is which which is like a giant mushroom. We'll talk about that separately. Uh, and that's how she ends up uh, traveling into the future because the this alien ends up uh, rescuing her. I guess because she's pure of heart and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so what ends up happening is that uh, our Spooner ends up protecting her mother with the Fountain of Imperium's sort of uh, powers, it seems. Um, and so the oil barons are uh, shooketh, and they flee. And uh, it seems as if, uh, you know, at least based off of the episode, like, they'll never visit again. And so Spooner's mother is alive and well. But uh, where the timeline ends up continuing continuing properly spooner young spooner gets taken by taken away by uh, astra and so that whole thing with the fountain saving i'm using that in air quotes spooner and sending her into the future does end up happening so there was a hiccup but you know i, I guess you can do that, right, Professor? What do you think of how they did end up changing the past without really changing the past, I guess? Yeah, they managed, I think, to minimize the timey-wimeyness. Because, you know, when first watching it, I was thinking, oh, they, they messed up the past. But really, all they did change in the past is that her mom didn't die. Uh, you know, Esperanza still isn't in the past. So if her mom just, you know, 
disappeared and, you know, made a, a point of, you know, not interacting with people, um, you know, they really wouldn't have affected the past at all. You know, in very, you know, legends fashion, it'll probably turn out that, you know, her mother kept the property and turns out to have been a huge oil stake and, you know, will pop to the present and uh, her, her mom will be in her 80s and, you know, multi-billionaire or something like that. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, uh, Esperanza, young Esperanza, well, I'll call her Esperanza too, separate her from Spooner. Esperanza did meet her destiny. I, again, a touching moment. Yeah, again, you know, we were talking about... Uh, uh, Astra, you know, the touching moment where she's saying you're, you're going to meet friends, you're going to make family, we're going to meet again. Um, and again, I think that shows the, the depth of the friendship between these two characters, which uh, which is tremendous. But yeah, in terms of the timing, why I mean, it's the only thing they technically changed. Well, you know, is that, you know, her mom remains alive. So, you know, doesn't give up the property. So, you know, that's obviously, but they didn't, she didn't kill any of the people that she was facing. Um, so that didn't change the past. It's really just that one thing. And, you know, Spooner is there in the past as well. Uh, I also like the fact that, you know, it had the idea that when Spooner started manifesting, uh, you know, the, the font of Imperium powers to protect her mom. Uh, I sort of explained, you know, this long, you know, it's something that we didn't even think of as necessarily a question that needed answering, which is what is the source of Spooner's powers? Because Spooner has had this ability to talk to aliens and understand aliens, you know, on a subconscious level. And that was never explained. We, you know, she assumed it was, you know, an alien implant or something like that. It turns out this is a function of her, you know, bonding with the font of imperium in the same way presumably that uh, that john uh bonded with the font of imperium and presumably when the font dies that is effect that is what is affecting spooner uh in the past as well so uh i think they did a really nice job of sort of you know putting a, a little bow on that and yeah i think there will obviously be some some timey-wimey consequences that we have to deal with because you know uh, you know, the, the mother is still alive, but young Spooner did travel into the future and, you know, would grow up to be Spooner. And so they managed to restore things that way. Um, so I don't think the change is, is, is you know, as, as big or as unmanageable as it might be. Yeah, I agree with you. The one thing that Legends hasn't done in the past that I wish it would embrace, like whenever things happened directly with the legends in their past where there's like a little bit of a change i wish you know that 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 we would have gotten some sort of recognition of that from spoon well i guess technically we wouldn't have but with the way the episode ended but i hope that we get maybe recognition from spooner in the next episode or something like i remember you when i was a kid or something like that i, I think that would be kind of neat I feel like they never do that. So, like, we had that whole thing over on Supergirl where some characters interacted, uh, you know, characters from the present go to the past and interact with younger versions of character. But we never got the payoff of, like, oh, that was you. Like, I'd completely forgotten about that or something like that. I don't think they're going to do that. But it would be kind of neat. It'd be a nice little full circle thing for their friendship. So, Spooner being... Um, so Spooner not being an alien, like we all thought she was going to be an alien, but she is sort of filled with the powers of the Fountain of Imperium. I'm going to put a bookmark on that right now. I'm going to stick a pin in it because we'll talk about that, what that means potentially uh, as we get towards the end of this discussion because it, it all leads to Constantine and Bishop and a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to chat about momentarily because let's talk about everything that's going down on the wave rider the wave rider well not the wave rider sorry with the rest of the legends uh the rest of the legends are stranded in constantine's house they've realized that constantine has broken bad they've realized that constantine has paired up with bishop and so uh, they're all together in the house trying to figure out a way to get into the past. There are a little bit of plot conveniences. They do not have their little, um, I never really know what they're called, uh, but their little bracelet things that they can, you know, open up portals. So it, it is not a convenient uh, strandation of the situation. They do end up coming up with a comedic plan where they're going to use a galactic version of Facebook to attract uh, Kayla to uh, you know save them because she does have not only a spaceship but a time ship and so they end up 
uh, putting, uh, what was it, Rory with a whole bunch of fake alien-looking eggs, you know, getting him to sort of smile-ish, snap a picture, tag Kayla, and she does end up showing up. And I think the big moment of her showing up was Rory telling Kayla that he has feelings for her in front of everybody. And she kind of shoots him down. Although there is a little bit of a hesitation. Sort of, I guess. I can. It's very difficult for me to read Kayla. Because she's, the, the, she's just played like incredibly tough. Um, but I guess there maybe there are sparks. I don't know. Um, so at the end of it all, uh, they end up getting back onto the ship. Uh, they are going to rescue the babies because, you know, they, Kayla's like, I want to rescue the babies. That's the only reason I'm here. And, uh, Bishop has set up a, an explosive on it. So everybody goes, gra- grabs a whole bunch of the, um, alien, uh, eggs. And there's one left. Uh, uh, Rory goes to get it and there's a giant kaboom and clearly Rory is dead. So, Millie, let's talk about this. Let's talk about everything with the Legends. There's a small little storyline about trying to get back into the past to, to find the Wave Rider and all that kind of stuff. Kayla getting into the mix. Rory uh, letting Kayla know exactly how he feels. And uh, I know you love Murder and Mayhem. So Rory is clearly dead, right? Absolutely. I mean, that was a huge blast. Although... There was no body, so you never know on Arrowverse shows, but I feel like, especially because we know the fate of the actor, he's dead. Really? No, you're like 100%. I think so. I mean, like, he might come back, but I feel like, I don't know, they could resuscitate him, but I feel like he's dead. Oh, okay, because I was just kidding around. But you really, you 100% think he's dead. Yes. Well, that's what I think. Like I said, there's no body, so I wouldn't be surprised, but I do think he's dead. Okay, that's bold. What did you think of Mick uh, announcing his feelings? You know, being a, a little bit unlike Mick. Like, he's incredibly reserved. Uh, uh, he has been throughout the, you know, all these seasons that we've known him. He confessed that he's got some feelings. I was so shocked by that. Cause you, that's very not him, but I think that also goes in line. Like, if he's dead, it makes sense. That's kind of... I guess his character development before he goes out um, is he, he's able to do that. Although I think it's a, maybe it's because he had like 43 alien babies, but I do feel like it's a little bit strange because it is hard to read. Like I think the level of like chemistry with them um, because Kayla is played so like hard, but I did like it for him as a character. Okay. Professor. So I was sort of joking around because, you know, I was like, they can't kill him that way. But Millie Wood is 100% that Mick is dead. Do you agree? Hell no. There is no way on earth that Mick is dead because you have to have, you know, the, the resolution that he did confess his love to Kayla. And then they can't just kill him after that. He has to deal with the consequences of that, you know, because he had the save the cat moment or the save the alien embryo moment. Uh, and, you know, then Kayla is going to realize that he sacrificed himself or tried to sac- was willing to sacrifice himself uh, to save their offspring. Uh, and that's going to lead to, uh, to, to Mick and Kayla trying to make a go of it, uh, you know. Uh, next episode. Um, it, it did seem like a weird thing for, for Bishop to do to, to set up this, you know, bomb on the eggs, because if the whole idea was that, well, it's going to keep them busy, it kept them busy for what, 30 seconds. Um, it's, it's not the most effective, you know, uh, trap. So it felt a little, you know, story convenient, uh, you know, to give uh, a Mick that uh, save the cat moment. But again, in terms of showing his character development, we talked about, uh, you know, Astra's character development over the course of the season, Spooner's character development over the course of the season, and Mick's, you know, character development over the course of six seasons to to finally reach this stage um, is, uh, you know, is, is, is finally being paid off. And I did, I liked this episode, you know, or this, uh, this subplot, simply because, as I mentioned, it wasn't a typical Legends episode. There wasn't a lot of humor in the other subplots, uh, the one we talked about and the one we're going to talk about. So this one, you know, both in terms of, you know, uh, the humor of using essentially social media to flush out Kayla, which I was, you know, again, those writers, I would never have thought of that in a million years. But again, that's the sort of thing you do, right? When you want to get an ex mad, you tag them in a picture and, uh, and let them see what you're doing. Uh, so it did, you know, totally make sense. And it gave them those moments of, of levity, you know, uh, Sarah and Ava had some great reaction shots, um, 
Nate talking about the fact that they don't have their time portals and why do we ever take those things off? You know, addressing the question that everyone in the audience would have, like, why the hell don't you guys just use your time portal? And to have him sort of call it out, uh, I thought was a clever idea. And, uh, you know, you know, the, the scene where they're posing uh, Mick for the shots, it, it, it injected some humor. And by sort of cutting it in, uh, you know, rather than dealing with it as all one self-contained block, uh, you know, revisiting them for the more humorous side allowed them to to really provide some levity to what would otherwise be a pretty heavy episode. Yeah, uh, it really was. This was the lightest part of the episode, and the lightest part of the episode of seeing Mick uh, nearly die <laughs> and one of his uh, alien spawns uh, get um, hard boiled. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, gosh. So, um, with the idea that, uh, unlike Millie, that, that Mick will survive, do we now sort of understand maybe how Mick is going to be written off? Mick is clearly going to go off with Kayla. Right, Professor? And I'm asking you because you haven't killed Mick. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, like, taking in stuff we know from outside, uh, you know, the actor who plays uh, Mick had the angry reaction to finding out he wasn't going to be back on the show uh, next season. If they killed him, he would have known he wasn't going to be back on the show next season, and there would be no reason for his, you know, uh, Instagram rant. So, obviously, I think it's obvious that, you know, he's going to be, you know, uh, you know, doing his, his fatherly stuff with Kayla, uh, and that gives him reason to write him off the show at least temporarily, he could still be revisited. He could still be brought back. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. Of course, they've got a time shift. So even if they did kill him, they could bring him back in some form or another. But yeah, I, I just think it's a much more satisfying arc to, uh, to, uh, to mix character. If this was a darker show, if this were, you know, an arrow or maybe even a flash, then you could argue that, you know, him reaching the character development to, um, to sacrifice himself, uh, you know, for these uh, these alien eggs, uh, you know, would have been the character growth and then it would have been a good death for him, you know, a good out. Um, but this is Legends. Uh, they're, they're supposed to have the, the wedding next episode. I don't think they can have a wedding, you know, one episode after Mick dies. I think you can do it after John dies, but I don't think you can do it after uh, Mick dies. Well, speaking of John. <laughs> oh, Constantine. So... Interestingly enough, this was a heavy Spooner episode, but this was a heavy Constantine episode. Uh, so we start off the episode with a little bit of uh, astral projection in which uh, Constantine stalls uh, the legends, and that's how they get stranded in his house. So this episode was uh, as much of a pair-up between Astra and Spooner as an interesting pair-up between Constantine and Bishop, two characters that really had not gotten any screen time together uh, throughout the season. So, so this was uh, a gamble. Uh, fortunately, both uh, are fantastic actors. Uh, Bishop has charisma for days. And Constantine, the way Matt Ryan is playing this iteration of Constantine, this sort of Constantine that um, is desperate and is willing to do anything to get the power back, uh, their dynamic became really fascinating. There's a whole lot of plotting and scheming and uh, this, that, or the other. Before we get into some of that, let's talk about the chemistry between Bishop and Constantine. Millie, did it work for you? It did, especially with this, like, super crazy, sassy, um, mad, like, manic kind of Constantine. I like the, like, happy-go-lucky bishop. And I do enjoy when um, they're, at one point, they're do talking science-smart stuff. And, and bishop's just like, I like something that can keep up with me. I just thought that was, it felt very much like, it, like they shouldn't work, but it worked. And it was really a little kind of point of uh, levity in such a dark episode. Yeah, it was fascinating watching them play together. Uh, two very different characters sort of being forced together. Um, but it worked in a fun sort of way. So through this storyline, uh, Bishop gave us some interesting intel about aliens and species and all that kind of stuff. It turns out mushrooms are aliens. You know, it's a strange thing on the planet Earth. Uh, you know, why wouldn't it be an alien? Um, 
Millie's not a healthy eater, so she probably doesn't eat mushrooms. So she's like, thank God I haven't been eating aliens. Right, Millie? Of course. Okay. That's why you don't <laughs> that's why you don't eat vegetables they're all aliens um yes so so he gives a little bit of intel about that they end up trucking the fountain of imperium but it looks like it's dried up and uh so they end up deducing that you know it must uh, it, that much like these mushrooms that are surrounding the area of where the fountain was that maybe there are roots underneath and this, that, or the other. And so they put two and two together that the fountain might not be an actual fountain uh, because Constantine's like, well, you know, I kept on looking for caves. So I was thinking it's a water source. Maybe what if it's an alien? And so this is where really the idea that the fountain is not an actual fountain of like water or liquid that uh, the fountain of imperium is more than likely an alien creature we do end up seeing the fountain it's like a ginormous mushroom like a giant giant mushroom <laughs> it was quite fascinating uh bishop does this whole uh ma not magical but a scientific concoction a tincture that uh constantine is going to take that's going to like purify him so that the fountain ends up um accepting him as opposed to the fountain denying him earlier in the season that turns out to have some poison because bishop's plan is to kill the fountain um Bef well, I guess I should bring it up, but I want to ask this as a separate question, because Bishop goes into this whole thing of, like, the fountain was, like, gifted to Earth, and it's supposed to protect the Earth from, like, invasive alien species, and I'm thinking to myself, we've already seen invasive alien species on other shows, like, if if that was protecting the Earth from aliens, like, I don't feel like Kara and Clark would have been able to land on Earth. Um, yeah, I know it's a post-crisis world, so maybe we could erase the invasion arc from many, many moons ago, where it was like the superhero team-up when, you know, all the heroes were taking down the aliens. But at least Clark and, and uh, clearly Kara are canon, so um, I don't know if I buy everything that Bishop is selling in regards to that. But there's poison in it. Bishop wants to kill the fountain. The fountain um, withers in a very interesting choice of uh, CGI. And Constantine withers, too. John Constantine is dead. We've spent many weeks talking about what the hell's going to happen to John Constantine. And John Constantine is dead. I mean, he turns into roots and, you know, vanishes in, in another interesting choice of CGI. He does get a really emotional beat with Astra. Uh, I know a lot of people online were like, but what happened to Zari? Um, I feel like there might be still be a little more to come with that, because we need the closure there. But um, as far as at this moment in time, we do get a little bit of closure here, or Astra gets closure with John. And this is a, a relationship that goes all the way back to the comics. So I think it is appropriate that it was with Astra. Let's talk about this. John Constantine is dead. Professor, you were very strong in your feelings that he couldn't die. What did you think of... I said it, he shouldn't die. Or that he shouldn't die, sorry. What did you think of uh, the fact that they did kill him off? The way that they killed him off? And uh, did you like the sort of full circle moment that we got between him and Astra? Uh, yeah, uh, yes to all of them. I think, uh, you know, the, the sort of, you know, John was, uh, you know, John is, you know, he's a schemer, he's a plotter, but he's up against Bishop, who is a schemer and a plotter and turns out just that little bit better than John. And, you know, it was John's hubris, his arrogance, uh, you know, his assuming that he was cleverer than Bishop uh, that ended up, you know, getting him killed. Uh, you know, he he fell into the trap and, uh, and ended up, you know, giving it to himself, uh, you know, uh, doing that. So, 
I thought that was satisfying. Uh, you know, giving him the moment with Astra, yeah, I think it, it mattered far more. I mean, his whole thing with Zari has just sort of been, you know, you know, a nice little side plot for, you know, one season. But as you say, the longstanding failure of John Constantine with respect to Astra, you know, having that scene where they could be together. And even if he didn't achieve full forgiveness from Astra, um, you know, it did give him, you know, the, the chance to to realize the mistake that he'd made uh, and to explain to the team, you know, the consequences of that. Um, so I like that, you know, and uh, I agree that, yeah, I think we have to see John in some form or another uh, next episode just because we have to have, you know, some sort of closure, not with uh, Astra. I think we've got the Astra closer, but I think we have to have some sort of closure with Zari. Um you know, bearing in mind that this is a show that does time travel, uh, it's a show that uh, does magic, and it's entirely possible that Bishop could have cloned John just in case. Uh, so I think there's every reason to suspect we will see Matt Ryan uh, next episode, uh, you know, in the trench coat one last time. Yeah, I agree with you on that. My thinking is that uh, Astra is going to somehow, you know, use her magic, which she has been using a lot, and she's, she's getting really good at it. Um, I think Astra is going to somehow conjure him up for like a little moment with um, with Zari 2.0. I think that'll be sort of the like continuing this character development that we've been seeing the past couple of episodes. I wonder if she still has his uh, that little soul token. Ah, that could be a way to do it too. No, didn't she give him back? Give it back to him? I think. I don't remember. Uh, I, again, it's it's been so long. Yeah, I feel like she gave it back to him. I think that was like one of the signs of like we're cool after everything last season, but I could be mistaken. So, what about Professor since we're we're talking about Constantine? What did you think of Bishop and the whole Fountain of Imperium? It's protecting Earth from other aliens. Did you buy that? Cuz I didn't really buy that. But then again, Bishop sort of says a lot and sometimes I feel like we are supposed to question what he's saying. Well, I think, you know, for, for the point of view of, of storytelling and uh, and sort of, you know, giving him a motive for what he's doing, it made sense. I wasn't as bothered by the whole I, I did think about the invasion storyline from a few years ago. Uh, but I think the uh, the whole, you know, Clark and Supergirl, it's it's there presumably to prevent any alien invasion. You know, a couple of random Kryptonians dropping in, uh, you know, wouldn't necessarily trigger them, although it does raise the question of, you know, where was the font of Imperium? over on Superman and Lois this year uh, when a full-fledged <laughs> invasion did happen. Um, uh, but again, timey-wimeyness. You know, it was killed back in the 1920s, according to this, so that explains it. I did see a really interesting uh, fan theory online which says that this might be setting up uh, oh the uh, the start of The Flash, which is going to have five episodes about an alien invasion, uh, the character Despero, and maybe getting rid of the font of Imperium uh, is what, uh, you know, uh, paves the path for, for Despero to attack. And again, maybe that's going to give Legends something to do next season dealing with aliens invading Earth because, you know, every season there's a theme to it. This season has been, you know, dealing with, you know, random aliens scattered through the timeline. Um, it might be interesting to to give them that to deal with. On the other hand, I have a gut feeling the Font of Imperium might come back. Uh, if only because, like, maybe you just killed the Font of Imperium on this planet, but hey, if it was seated here, they could go someplace else and find it and, and reseed it or something like that. So I don't know. I, I doubt that we've seen the last of the Font. Fountain. I should. I keep calling it the Font of Imperium. It's Fountain. Sorry. Yes, it's okay. Okay, that does make sense. And I didn't think of like the fact that it was that this um, was the 1920s. So if it were to have died in 1920s, uh, because that is a change that's happening now, that would have ripple effects. Um, so yeah, I, I guess maybe not to think too hard on it. Um, I do have a question about the fountain, just because it, it is connected to Spooner, and so that's why I think you you might be right, Professor, in regards to it'll come back. Uh, but Millie, I want to bring you into the conversation. John Constantine is dead. You love death and destruction. Was this a shock to you? Did you see the Bishop double cross coming? I did not see the double cross coming. Should have expected it though, because um, I thought that John got finally got the upper hand. But then, like, of course, you know, Bishop is ten steps ahead. Um, I was thinking like. Constantine would end in death, so I wasn't surprised by that, but I was kind of surprised on how he died. Um, and we did see his body deteriorate, so I feel like, as you guys have been like, he might come back in some way next episode, but I think in terms of, like, him being dead, he's dead kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, this does 
make Bishop, it cements him like as a real villain. Because he's killed a legend. So, uh, up to this point, I mean, yes, he had done some nefarious stuff. Yes, he had kidnapped... If you're Millie Wood, he's killed two legends. Wait, what was the second one? Mick. Nick. Oh, Mick. Oh, yeah, technically. <laughs> technically, yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's funny. Um, but, yeah, so he, I mean, he had done nefarious stuff, uh, but, you know, up to the previous episode, like, even with everything that he did in the previous episode, like, had he not, like, killed Legend, I think this could have been a villain that is redeemed. And I'm using redeemed in air quotes. Um, you know, we've seen them do that in the past on Legends. But I think now... Like, he has been cemented as a villain. Like, they are going to, they being the legends, are going to 100% treat him as a villain in the next episode, uh, which uh, will be very interesting to see. So, uh, the Fountain of Imperium. A giant mushroom. uh, One that Millie will never touch and eat in her salad. Uh, let's talk about the connection between the Fountain and Spooner. So Spooner has been exhibiting powers, and you know, throughout the entire season. But in this episode, I'm going to assume because she was in close, like, uh, proximity to the Fountain, she had interesting powers in this episode. Like she, she, she was doing stuff. Like feel you know, my pain to those oil people. Um, then when the fountain died, uh, Spooner, I don't know, maybe according to Millie, Spooner's dead, but Spooner ends up collapsing. Um, so clearly there's a connection there. So my assumption is kind of like what you're saying, Professor. If the fountain returns, which you say it will... I kind of feel like Spooner has to be involved in that, right, Professor? Yeah, I think so. I think you know what you know what was hinted at, uh, you know, much more strongly in this episode uh, than anything before is that you know Spooner is tied uh, to the fountain, and perhaps she'll be the key to uh, to restoring it in some way. Um, how they do that, I don't know, but I think, you know, they did sort of uh, establish that, that maybe the, the fountain is, is still alive in her in some way. Although the fact that, you know, she did collapse after uh, the fountain died, uh, you know, again, just sort of, you know, reinforces the idea that there is that strong connection between them. But again, the timey-wimeyness of it becomes, you know, but Spooner in the future did have those powers, which means that there must have still been some connection to the fountain or something like that. Or perhaps it did, you know, change her on some level. And, you know, sort of a resolution of Spooner, you know, Spooner, you know, uh, talking about the aliens, you know, implanting something in her, um, you know, finding out in this episode that the aliens were benevolent and, in fact, saved her life. Uh, maybe she'll be able to, in some way, return the favor and, uh, and restore the fountain. Uh, in some way. Uh, but I, yeah, I do think that there's going to have to be some payoff from that, and it's going to have to come uh, directly or indirectly through Spooner. Totally. I 100% agree. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, so, what, was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment? Anything that either of you would like to uh, bring up before we head into the MVP? Was anyone else bothered by the fact that they're dealing with a giant magic mushroom and Bayrod was nowhere around? What a wasted opportunity. He could have dealt with that like nothing. I know, or even just the line. Like, I hope that we get some payoff with that. Like, with Spooner, like, can dude, you were with your parents and you missed out on the giant mushroom? Uh, we're going to need that, hopefully. Um, yes. Uh, the one thing that I want to say is, uh, so Astra ends up um, cloaking, well, not cloaking, but ends up, um, what is it, transmutating themselves into inanimate objects. Uh, Spooner was a spoon. Astra was a snow globe. And I don't know if I understood that reference. Spooner was a fork. Oh, she was a fork? I couldn't yes, really and tell. Remember, didn't she play a fork when they were uh, animated earlier in the season? Oh, yes, she was a fork. Yeah, that is true. Yes. But why was Astra a snow globe? Nobody knows. I was thinking, was that a reference to something this season that I just did not remember? Um, I mean, it was a good little prop for Bishop to play with, but um, I, I was like, is there a reason for that? 
I guess not. Well, we didn't know. Uh, all right, so now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Professor, who's your MVP? Well, it's one of those ones where I almost don't want to go first. Um, attempted, though, I am to give it to Maisie Richardson Sellers. The acting performances, there were some really, really good ones. And so, uh, you know, they have to be recognized. Uh, so I'm going to give it to, I'm going to do a little bit of a cheat on this and give it to Esperanza, by which I mean Spooner and the actress playing the younger Spooner, because I think they were both great. Uh, the young actress was really, really good. Uh, and Spooner was, you know, fantastic in this episode. You know, she really had the depth of emotion. Uh, she really got a lot of payoff. Uh, and the fact that she did manage to save her mom in the end, you know, that's a huge win for that character. I mean, you know, the dream of her life to, to find a way to save her mom or to be reunited with her mother. She managed to do that. Um, and uh, and I think, uh, you know, both the uh, the uh, the regular Spooner actress and the actress playing uh, the young Esperanza were fantastic. Very good choice. A little bit of a cheat, but I will allow it. Millie Wood, what about you? Your MVP and why? I think, well, I think the professor definitely took, like, the obvious choice. It was a very Spooner-centric episode, but I'll have to give my MVP to Astra. I think that she really supported uh, Spooner's character, and I like, I love the conversation they had um, when she was kind of appealing to her ethos and saying, you know, friends, and then her closure with John. Um, I think that the actress did a really good job with those scenes. Another really good choice. And everyone's sort of picking the obvious choices, so I'm going to pick an obvious choice as well. I'm going to give it to Matt Ryan as John Constantine. I thought he did a really good job uh, sort of uh, grounding this Constantine in with, like, the comic book Constantine. Like, we've been seeing, you know, the softer side of Constantine this season, being in love with Zari and that sort of thing. And the Constantine from the comics is a bit of an asshole. He's smarmy. He uh, is uh, desperate, willing to do anything to, uh, you know, get get what he needs done done. And that's the Constantine that we got in this episode. Um, it was, uh, for me, a little jarring to see him be so um, just unabashedly mean to the legends at the start of the episode. Uh, but it works with where the character is at this point in time, at least with this episode. And uh, Matt Ryan did a really good job with it. And um, as we sort of gave a little bit of kudos to him and Bishop, uh, that team up, as strange as it was, worked really well in this episode. It cemented John as a sort of like mini boss or a mini big bad in this episode, which is kind of interesting, you know, going from a legend to uh, going into a, an antagonist towards the legends over the course of a couple episodes was fascinating to watch. And clearly the character died. Um, I do believe he will be back for a little bit of closure, but um, as far as the way he went out so unexpectedly, that he he just was so um, focused on what he wanted done that he completely ignored Bishop and it allowed Bishop to uh, get the upper hand. What a it, it was fascinating. A little bit of a comeuppance for John. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 wave riders? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden wave rider, Millie Wood. You're first. I was pleasantly surprised by this episode. I knew it was going to be big because it was, like, the penultimate. Um, but they definitely had some twists and turns I couldn't predict, especially with, like, Spooner's mom and then kind of how John Constantine went out. Um, and overall, I think balancing that but making it lighthearted in weird ways but also having, like, the really the emotional depth to it. Uh, so I'll have to give it ten wave riders. Wow. Knock me over with a feather. Millie Wood, starting off strong with a solid 10. Professor, what about you? 
Uh, I'm going to agree with Millie. I'm tempted to give it uh, the Golden Wave Rider um, because it was a really, really good episode. It just it it wasn't a tip. It wasn't you know. It didn't feel as much like a Legends episode as it just felt like a really great episode of TV. You know, I think we needed a little more of the humor. You know, the banter and stuff like that, which really wasn't an option. Uh, you know, because of you know the the subplots they were dealing with. I think they did a good job of, of dealing with it in the one subplot, but it was absent from like two thirds of the episode. Um, so, uh, but I will agree, it was it was really really an excellent episode. So I'm going to give it ten Wave Riders as well. And I will co-sign. I will give it a solid 10 as well. A, uh, a really fantastic penultimate episode for the season. It, it did not feel like the F word. Uh, and it didn't feel either like a setup episode. And at times, especially on these CW shows, the penultimate episode feels like a setup to the finale. And based off of where we ended it, like I have no idea how the finale... Like I have no idea what the hell is going to happen at all. Uh, outside of the fact that we need Constantine back for a little bit of closure. Um, everything else is sort of like up in the air. I do know that there will be a wedding and I guess an invasion and maybe the fountain's going to come back. But really, do I know anything? No. And and I love that the this episode sort of leaves everything up in the air. Um, Co-sign everything that's been said about the performances, especially uh, with the direction that we got from Maisie Richards and Sellers. A really good, rewatchable, um, emotionally packed and um, twisty and turny episode of Legends of Tomorrow. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Here's our announcer, Gidget, to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you, Captain. Follow Papichilo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Perpetulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at perpetuloradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Perpetulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetulo Radio programs by visiting perpetuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gidget. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night, everyone. And Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along with me, I'm on Twitter at The Asian Nerd. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papichula Radio archives. Good night.